This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to lesson 20 of 21 for 21, the sports media podcast. I'm Stuart in Dusseldorf, as always. Joining me is Jamie in Barcelona. Jamie, how are things with you? Good, Stuart. How's everything uh, over in Germany? Yeah, it's all all very nice. Um, good to good to see that we're in uh, it's twenty now, very creeping very closer to that that number number twenty one twenty one mark. Yeah, certainly. And we we've had nineteen great lessons so far, so uh, that's uh, maybe a good opportunity to introduce our our twentieth guest to the podcast. Um, a really interesting one. Uh, I'm very excited to hear the story that he's got to bring us today. It's Tom Bradbury of, uh, well, one of the co-owners of Walton and Hersham Football Club. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to be on here today. And I heard you're saving the best lessons to last. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> We're also keep keeping up our, our Tom quota. So if we've learned anything about sports and media, it's, if your name's Tom, you're going to have going to have a cool job. So I think you're definitely, uh, as I was saying, Jamie, just before, we went live. Um, we've got different categories of guests, but Tom certainly fits into our I wish I'd thought of that first uh, category of guests. So we'll not keeping the listeners waiting much longer. So, Tom, what is it that you've been doing that attracted uh, us to you? And I'm kind of a bit, bit jealous of that, that you've been doing. <laughs> yeah, no. So essentially, I'm a owner and director of a non-league football club called Walton Hersham FC. And... I'm only 21 years old and we took over the football club, me and a few of my mates, when we were just 19. So there's quite a unique story there. And how it came about really was we all went to school together and one of our mutual friends, Colodro, he was uh, quite familiar with the area, the local football going on in Walton. So this is um, southwest London in the UK. And he kind of got wind that the old owners wanted to give up the club but they wanted to give it to people who had the best interests at heart. Um, so through Colosro and he, he kind of rallied us a little bit and together we put forward this idea, the strategy to modernize the club, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, so when we took over, we 
instantly changed the the club badge. We had a new coaching staff, new playing squad. Um, and that's kind of filtered into our media strategy as well going forward. So initially, we didn't really have too many plans for TikTok, but circumstances kind of changed that with the COVID pandemic, the first lockdown, and just the sheer boom of TikTok, really. And perhaps, perhaps by chance, we just hit upon a certain segment on the app and people seem to really resonate with our story on that platform. So I suppose that's why I'm here now today to talk about that and about the football club more in general. Yeah, certainly. That's uh, sort of how I came across your story, if you like, was this it suddenly appeared that you, you hit, I think, was it 500,000 mm. uh, followers earlier this year or toward the end of last year, perhaps. Um, and I was sort of like, well, 500,000 followers on, on TikTok for a football team that I've never heard of. Like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw that I think just today it was announced that um, FC Barcelona have a, the top watched TikTok uh, channel in, in Spain or in Europe. I think it was in Spain sort of and and the views were like three times higher than Real Madrid, for example. Um, so it was by a long way. Yeah. But to see this kind of like, I mean, am I right in thinking it's equivalent of sort of like Division Nine team that Walton and Hersham are in? Yeah, that's right. So um it's, it's been really surreal, to be honest, because for context, uh, with the Premier League clubs, we worked it out, um, I worked out before Christmas, and I think we had more followers on our TikTok than four or five Premier League clubs. And for context, they're in the first division of the English football system, and we're in the, the equivalent of the ninth division. So there's eight, there's eight leagues between us and the Premier League, and yet we have, or had at the time, more followers than Southampton, uh, Burnley, I think Brighton as well, and there might have been one or two others. Um, so it's been remarkable, really. And yeah, no, it's, it's it's been a brilliant ride, and it's quite surreal to be honest. <laughs> so let's just go um, back back to the start because, as you said, uh, TikTok is more of a, a more recent development. So in mm. uh, 2019, when the old owners were looking to for someone to put the best interests of the club at heart, how did you convince the old owners that your, you and your group of 19-year-old mates were, were those right people? I think it kind of helps that um, the plans we put forward were quite ambitious, but also we had specific uh, duties and commitments that we made to the old owners um, because there's a little bit of tension in the the locality of the football club. For example, we have an arch rival club which ground shares with us and there were ideas being floated about about combining Walton Hersham with this other club to create a sort of Walton United club and I think one of the stipulations um, of taking over would have been to completely block any kind of that ever happening um, so we were very important to bring that on board but I think as well with what we did in the first year is that the, the club was at the lowest point it had been in 10 years um, it recently got relegated just the season before we took over. And in its history, it was at the lowest point it ever has been in. Um, like The club was formed in 1945. It's got a pretty rich history in non-league football in England. Um, for, for example, Sir Stanley Matthews used to be the club president. Um, Walton's been to Wembley. It's beaten Brian Clough's teams in the past. So we wanted to kind of bring back the glory days to the club a little bit. Um, although that first year was very 
it was a, it was a huge learning curve to say the least. And for where the club is now compared to that first year, I think we've come really far. I mean, for example, the attendances in that first year we had around forty people in the nineteen twenty season coming on average. But so far in twenty one twenty two, this current season, we're having nearly two hundred and fifty people come down each game. So we've seen a staggering increase just in the local support, really, and it's been brilliant to reconnect with the community. So is this sort of a football manager dream come true then, like for you and your mates that, that took on this challenge? Because that's, that's kind of what it sounds like. Oh, no, it's brilliant. Um, at the summer up, uh, me and a few of uh, the other lads, we created a pro clubs team on FIFA uh, during the lockdown. So we, we were in our first season running the club and we named it Walton Hersham FC. And the name was taken because some of the players had also done the same thing. Um, so it's quite funny, but it's also, of course, it's very surreal because we're making big decisions about the management, the direction of the club. And we have been in uh, interesting situations uh, in the past already. I mean, for example, we got a lot of things wrong, to be quite frank, early on in that first year. For example, we changed the club badge. And if you see the club badge now compared to the old badge, I think there's a remarkable improvement. But we were quite naive in that we didn't really publicly consult the fans at the time. And they were quite rightly uh, angry about that. And looking back on it now, we should have done it so much so differently. Um, but no, it's, it's been amusing because I think we've, be, we've managed definitely to convince the fans that, you know, we are the real deal. At first, they were very apprehensive. You know, they just saw it as a university work experience project. Um, I think the famous line from a mini documentary we did is that, you know, once the season starts, we'll be on holiday in Ibiza, something like that. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite funny. But I think slowly but surely we, we turned the club around and we were able to get promoted in the middle of it. So the fans are happy at the moment. So let's talk a little bit about Tom Bradbury then and yeah. sort of who you are and your role in the club. And you're also studying at the same time. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that's right. So I'm currently in my final year doing an undergraduate degree in politics at the University of Exeter. Um, and it's, it's obviously been a fascinating time for politics, especially very recently, because I'm currently writing a dissertation on the relationship between NATO and Russia. So oh. in a way, the, the events going on and unfolding at the moment, um, they're very relevant to my dissertation. And to be honest, I found myself recently just consuming endless, endless news about the whole situation. Um, it's extraordinary, but no, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely interesting to balance my responsibilities with the football club with, you know, the pressurised final year and uh, all of that sort of thing. Um, but overall, I think it's been a really enjoyable experience. It's nice to kind of follow your passion um, away from the university experience. Because, I mean, I love football. The other lads love football. And that's kind of what brought us all here together in the first place, really, because if we didn't believe in changing something and creating something good at Walton Hersham, um, then we wouldn't be doing it. So you guys, um, you were play football together as as kids or at, at secondary school, I guess. So um, how, first of all, when you first got, got the club, what sort of stopped you from just picking yourselves uh, <laughs> in, in the next game? How did you sort of, I know you're um, doing, doing your politics degree, but how did you deal with, that sort of thing. So I guess they had an established players and established coaching staff who are all 
older than you. So how did you deal with, with those challenges of telling these people that you're in charge now? Yeah, it was definitely a very interesting um, experience, especially in the, in the first year, as I touched on. Uh, for example, I still get mocked a little bit by the other lads because when we took over the club, um, I was like, oh, I'll play left back for a few games in the cup games, you know, the with the games that don't matter really, I'll, I'll happily play. And for context, I'm not very good at football and especially not at left back. Um, so, yeah, it was it was quite funny. And to be honest, two of the lads, I'd say, so Ben and Clodro, they were actually really good at football um, when we were at school. And they probably were good enough to be at the levels played by Walton. Um, but then you have a dilemma where you're hiring a manager, but you're also playing under the manager in the team. It's just not viable, really. Um, so I think we made the right decision on that front. Um, but I, I, with the players, obviously, a lot of them will have been older than us. Um, for example, at the moment, one of our starting centre-backs, Max Huswick, he's, uh, I think he's nearly 40 years old now. And he actually made his debut for Walton Hersham in 1999, which is the year before I was born. So it, it's crazy, but... Um, I think they've really bought into it as well, the players, because not only do, I, do they do they enjoy the media side of it, you know, they see their goals, they see the highlights and the TikToks, um, but I, I think they also see just the general progress that the club has made. You know, we're getting more fans coming in to support them. The kit looks great. Um, so yeah, it's been brilliant. That maybe segs quite nicely then into. As I mentioned before, I saw you you post about five hundred thousand followers. Uh, on TikTok, you're now at some 565,000, almost 66,000 followers, I think. And right. uh, almost 15,000 followers on Instagram as at the time of recording. Um, has that been a, a an intentional kind of effort or a conscious effort? Did you have a plan going into into that? What? Because I, I understand you're the kind of the public liaison, the communication director, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. At first, it, it was probably by accident. Um, for example, we filmed a mini documentary just six months into our ownership. Uh, so that was with 90 Minutes. And you can find that on our Walton Hersham FC YouTube channel. Um, and it was a quite it was quite an interesting insight into the first few months of our experience owning a football club and being the youngest owners in world football. Um, but I hit on this by accident during the first lockdown, whereby people were just posting randomly on TikToks just to entertain themselves, really. And I decided, why don't I put up a, a singular part of this documentary and then caption it, you know, the youngest owners of world football and see what happens. Um, and I wasn't really expecting anything to happen, but it got a little bit of traction in the algorithm. And then through that, we decided, let's set up the actual football club account and start posting different documentary clips onto that as a starting platform. So it kind of um, went from there. And then when football was re resumed, when we were playing again, um, full credit to Sarte, she came up with the idea of making match day vlogs. So the first one he filmed, I think it got 1.2 million views in total. And people clearly resonated with it because it kind of introduced the whole ground, introduced a few of us, a few of the players, um, and it gave you that real grassroots feel. Um, and I think it kind of connected with the audience in a really good way. So we've now turned that into a rolling series. And now we have a clear content strategy plan going forward. 
that that's came <clears throat> about about pretty randomly. I mean, were you a TikTok user personally beforehand? It was literally just you were bored almost in, in lockdown and you were just playing around on on your phone. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I'd never really used TikTok before uh, the lockdown. For example, I mean, I knew about it from 2018 or so, but I thought it was just a a sort of music dancing app. I didn't really didn't really connect with the app on a particular level. And I think a lot of other people felt the same. Um, but TikTok's really boomed since then. Um, I, it's huge. I have I have a lot of LinkedIn connections with employees who work for TikTok and they're endlessly creating new strategic partnerships, a lot with sports clubs as well, to be fair. And, uh, you know, the Champions League, the Euros, loads of different events. And it's been great to see because I think it's a really democratic platform in terms of anyone can post a video and it can go viral. Whereas, you know, with Instagram and other apps, it's a lot more based, based on how much you're willing to initially put in, in terms of, you know, advertising or marketing payments, really. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline for an average match day so for your game this weekend or this midweek for example mm. what would be the process if you're you're busy uh watching the the, the bad news unfortunately unfold for your for your dissertation so how, how does who actually does what on a match day for for Walter and Hersham on the social side but also on the operation side yeah so we're extremely fluid with how we run the football club so what we do on the match day completely depends on how many of us there are available. Uh, so on the best day possible, all seven of us are around, we're there, and we all perform our own duties, which again are pretty flexible. Um, but it gets interesting when it goes down to maybe three or four people because a few are away at uni or they've got family commitments, job commitments, that sort of thing. Um, but for example, we all we all muck in on the match days. Um for example, I've done stewarding, I've done commentary, boardroom duties. Uh, we've done raffles as well, you know, tickets on the door. Um, we're all involved doing that. And I think you can see that in the match day vlogs as well. For example, um, George is a stadium announced every now and then. And it's just, it's really, you can have a lot of good fun with that, you know. Uh, you know, goal scorer for Alton Hersham, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, we we're very flexible with it. So we're all doing different things at different times. Um, one of the most perhaps interesting to an outside observer though would be the boardroom duties, because not only do we have to provide teas and coffees for opposition board members, but we have to also provide food for the refs. So it can get a little bit little bit awkward when you're very passionate on the touchline about a certain decision that might not have gone your way. And then afterwards, you're in the boardroom face to face with them, uh, and you're giving them pizza. So yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a funny experience. Do you think some of this transparency is what's brought you kind of the, the audience that you've had? Because certainly for like a bigger football club, to see the inner workings, it's it's near on impossible. But to see what you guys are doing, and you've been so open 
about it from the start with your documentary. And do, do you think that's part of the reason for the, the success that you've seen in terms of audience? Yeah, I, I think we've kind of hit on a unique segment um, in terms of that with our ownership. It's it's very school like in the fact that we've clearly been friends for a while before. It's not like we're in a serious business together, even though elements of it is. Um, it's very it's very based on camaraderie um, and we don't act like normal owners do. So you wouldn't see normal owners on the touchline celebrating with absolute scenes and limbs when Walton Hersham gets a crucial result at home or away. Uh, I mean, some of the scenes that we've captured for the matchday vlogs in the past, especially post lockdown as well. I mean, it was just great to be back watching football and it was great to be watching Walton score great goals, winning football matches. And at the end of the day, we have key footballing objectives as well. So when the stakes get really high, we're not just going to sit up in a in a boardroom or in a box like Premier League owners or other owners would and try and stay cool and calm. We're going to, you know, we're going to live our emotions because that's at the end of the day, that's what football is all about, really. So I think that side of it has really resonated uh, with people. And I also think we've been able to do, kind of tell that story in a good way as well. But you mentioned the the other other owners of, of people in the in the combined counties league. So I guess they'd be maybe local local shop owners or local business people, and all of a sudden they're sharing a pizza with a, a group of students. Uh, so how does it work on more on on the business side? I mean, I, if I understand rightly, you were sort of gifted the club at first, but then how do you keep it running? Is it mainly through ticket sales, or are you able to monetize the TikTok? TikTok videos. Yeah, obviously for a non-league football club, especially in England, it's been well documented how the finances are crucial. And Walton Hersham Football Club is not an exception to that. Um, the biggest challenge we found in our first year was to raise enough finance to stay afloat. And between the seven of us, we were able to kind of spread and cover the costs, the risk uh, in some ways. But it wasn't a viable strategy going forward long term. Um, so that's kind of why, in a way, we've orientated our strategy around the media potentially going forward, because obviously TikTok is a great platform, but with the creator fund, you don't really get too much money itself. So TikTok has been good for transferring followers to other platforms, but also through get, getting the exposure and the credibility that we need to gain sponsorships. To be fair, I, I should mention the Classic Football shirts here because they've been brilliant with us and they're our main kit sponsor. And when we first started talking to them, we didn't really have too many followers on TikTok. But I think we managed to pitch the vision quite well. And I think it's worked out on both sides this year. And it's been brilliant to be in partnership with them. Um, but yeah, finances are crucial and we do have some key costs to pay. For example, we live, uh, I was about to say we live in a rented facility, we don't, but we play in a rented facility um, and that has an annual fee. Um, and traditionally for football clubs, usually their their revenue will come through uh, sponsorship or ticket sales or merchandise. Um, but we'd like to go beyond that and also start exploring, you know, viable, sustainable revenue content streams in the media. So do you have a, a conscious approach of how you, you kind of intend to grow on this success that you've already seen with TikTok and Instagram? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, for example, two of the lads, Colodro and Sartej, are actually next year going full-time for a year with the football club. So what we're planning to do is um, focus a lot more on our YouTube. We haven't really advertised our YouTube at all yet, um, but we'd like to transfer the following from TikTok over to YouTube and grow that channel with good original content, um, more of the same, but also new series, um, different moments, different highlights. We've got loads of ideas for that. Um, but with that as well, it's actually quite interesting. I listened to the lesson, I think it was Dr. Alex Fenton with the University of Salford, uh, talking about the class of uh, eight, the class of 92, um, creating partnerships with the university to get people in. And quite interestingly, we might be looking for a full-time videographer for next year. And at the moment, we're looking at either the University of Football Business campus in, in the Etihad or at Wembley. So it was quite interesting listening to Alex Fenton talk about it and then our own experiences and our potential ideas going forward. So I suppose either, yeah, I've been picking up a few lessons from the pod as well. Hey, that's, that's great what to hear. What we definitely what we like to yeah. hear. Uh, we'll clip clip you that clip of you, Tom, saying you listen to the other episodes, and we'll use that in our in our trailer. Um, speaking <laughs> of the the rights, though, um, and this is something that I've kind of linked to my job a bit, but because you're lower down football pyramid, I guess there are no rights fees you need to pay. Is is that right? I mean, to publish your goals, or do you need at least permission from from the league? How does that work? How do you mean by rights? Rights goals. So, I mean, so for obviously, if you are in in a football league club, you wouldn't be allowed mm. to do TikToks of your goals necessarily because Sky Sports oh, of course, yeah. have the rights. So yeah, so in, in your level, is there any even written permission, or are you just free to upload what you like? Yeah, there's no real apparatus or structure um, behind it because um, obviously, non-league football, when you're at that level, there's there's nothing too serious commercially going on with the whole league. Um, it's very much down to what the individual club decides to do. Um, for example, the Jersey Bulls, who are also in our league, they're flying at the moment, but they usually stream every game behind the paywall. Um, and that's that's absolutely fine because there's no other obligation that they have towards the league. Um, so it's something that we're also looking at because myself and Clodra, we've done commentary on two or three games and we stream them live on TikTok or, and YouTube, but we are thinking about doing that regularly, perhaps every home game from next year, because it's good content. And also I think people like tuning in to just hear two lads who own a football club, not just talk about the football. Um, I thought I like when we've been commentating on the on the on these streams, we're having some weird conversations on the side, talking about you know pre-match rituals and stuff. Clodro always has a bubble bath before a Walton home game, which is really weird in my opinion. Uh, and we've talked about pop music, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 really strange, but like I think because it's organic and natural, um, people like it. Yeah, you certainly got more insights than kind of the average football commentator that's you know got their notes from the last six games and mm. uh, the, you know the player backgrounds that they've got off Wikipedia or whatever. Is <laughs> so that so, how you do it then, Jamie? Classic. Yeah, games, no, not to give away too many secrets. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you mentioned no, no, that as well because um, on the first the first time I actually ever commentated, I was really nervous, but it was a really bizarre day because Martin Tyler, the legendary Sky Sports commentator, he'd actually come down to watch the game I was commentating on, 
I couldn't believe it. it was it was like the stars had aligned because I was there talking to him about his own experiences at Sky because obviously he's been commentating on the Premier League since its inception really and I asked him for some advice and he was like just be yourself and don't pretend uh, that you know what you're talking about when you don't and it was a really surreal experience to to get that advice from him just before I was about to do it myself but Walton and Hersham has some great links to the local football community um, because Martin Tyler used to be an assistant coach back in the mid-2000s at the football club. So, yeah, it's it's crazy some of the people that we've met through that. And you kind of learn that around the, the local area, there's a lot of famous footballers or football connections that, yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. That's really cool. That's what's a, a great little anecdote and... Yeah, no, no pressure having him there for your first ever <laughs> commentary gig. <laughs> um, do you think these kind of technology now has allowed us to, you know, anyone to stream a, a football match or to, I don't know, stream anything if you like do commentary and from from anywhere in the world basically through a phone and and there are apps now where you could have I don't know you and three mates on the touchline all with your mm. phones and you could have four different camera angles all all thanks to your iPhone. Do you think that kind of technology has allowed these sort of lower leagues, uh, you know, the the combined counties football league, or the, to be able to kind of like professionalize in in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise had, and reach greater audiences in that way? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the whole basis of our successful TikTok strategy so far has been filmed through iPhones. Um, you know, one of the match day duties we have is certain people are designated to have their phones out for key moments. And I think through using that technology, it's clearly lowered the barriers to creating good content. Um, because, because obviously if you have, you know, high tech cameras, the more traditional way of going about it, it does cost a lot of money. Um, you know, with full-time videographers as well. The thing about TikTok and the apps related to TikTok is it's really easy to edit videos. So what we found with the Matchday Vlogs is um, the software that we use is pretty good. I think it's CapCut and it's brilliant at merging different things together. You can put in funny meme clips as well and edit on top of it. And it kind of takes out a huge part of the process. Um, having said that, I do think that if it kind of depends on what platform you want to break into. For example, with us and the YouTube going forward, we kind of recognize that the style and the quality of content has to be different. And maybe through that, you have to professionalize it a little bit more. But certainly with TikTok, um, it's so accessible that anyone can use it, really. Are there any clubs or teams or not necessarily in football that you've been looking at as a kind of a bit of a model for, for how you want to develop your content strategy? You're talking about like original content. You were talking about creating mm um sort of various things yeah i mean part of our tiktok strategy for example um has been adapting to different memes and footballing trends on tiktok so through that it's brought us through many different sagas you know stop the super league you've got cow the dragon going viral the newcastle takeover man united being rubbish sadly because i'm a united fan um but to get those ideas you obviously you look at different football accounts. So you know, the great ones like Zenit, um, Spartak Moscow, you've got Leicester City, you've got loads of different other great accounts with great admins behind them coming up with these great ideas. Um, 
But I think as well, it kind of depends on the content we want to do going forward. It's not necessarily been done before. Um, the biggest, the big, I think the, the, the most obvious comparative case for Walton Hersham when we want to go forward on YouTube is definitely going to be hashtag United. So, I mean, what they've achieved from the ground up has been phenomenal. Um, I think Spencer started doing stuff with that around 2013, 2014. And it's really grown since it was just him initially playing with a few mates. Yet now they're competing in the equivalent of the league above Walton Hersham, but in Essex. So they're a very similar level to us. And it's brilliant because they've really captured uh, a fantastic audience and they produce some great content. I mean, I've watched quite a few of the videos and there were the series I love the most from Spencer on Hashtag is the, the series where they do the, the academy sort of trial thing. So, you know, they, they bring down different lads and they offer a contract to one one player at the end of it. Um, it's a really good concept for a series. And I think the, the nature of the videography that goes behind it, it's inspiring for us to see that it can be done and we can put our own spin on it and create our own original content as well. Because I think our story is the youngest owners in world football um, and us all being mates with a historic club set up in 1945. It can really resonate as well. It's definitely an interesting comparison between Walton and Hersham and Hashtag, because Hashtag United are a completely social media, internet era club, whereas you have some history to uh, to respect, as you mentioned at the start with with the badges. Um, but mm. with with Hashtag United, is there are you in in dialogue with with the team there? Do they? pass on any advice is there a good sharing community or do they they see you as rivals and they want to be the dominant internet football team yeah it's very funny you mention that because we've come in contact with hashtag united quite a few times in the past um and probably more than you might initially think so so for example sartej has a good connection with him because he's done some media work with other footballing organizations um but also there's been moments where We've been working directly with Hashtag United. So, for example, when the COVID pandemic hit and that that first season for us was deemed null and void very, very quickly, a lot of non-league clubs came together to sort of uh, protest against the very speedy and, and probably miscalculated FA ruling. Um, and in that, we had a good dialogue with, with Hashtag United because they felt exactly the same as we had. You know, we were both on course for promotion and suddenly the whole landscape has shifted. So after that, our relationship has probably got even stronger. Um, and for example, both Sartej and Claudio, two of the other lads, they actually went to go play in um, Hashtag United and Spence's 24-hour charity five-a-side football match stream. Um, so it's quite, again, it's, it's another surreal moment is that we're watching fellow owners uh, miss a lot of, lot of goals in these online streams and stuff. And um, it's it's fantastic to see, and it, you know, Spencer's been very good to us as well because I think he he, re he clearly resonates with our predicaments, his predicaments. You know, he he'll he'll have had similar encounters with the FA that we have had, um, similar problems with perhaps raising revenue or getting fans in. You know, and maybe even like more basic problems as well, like we haven't got enough biscuits, we need to get some biscuits. It's funny how the, the range of uh, problems and dilemmas that, that come about as a, an owner of a football club. Yeah. What about, uh, I'd like to know then, some of the, the 
let's start with the low moments and some of the high moments of of this past couple of years maybe excluding kind of some of the pandemic things that that you know we could we could perhaps all relate to but something that would be unique to someone owning a, a ninth tier football club yeah i mean luckily i've got more high moments and low moments to draw on so i think they will probably be the ones i'm most drawn to um i certainly say commentating is a highlight a personal highlight for me uh because it's a great new experience and it was really enjoyable and i was actually quite nervous at the start but it was fun in the end um i'd also say filming the documentary in our first year was a fantastic experience um being in front of the camera conveying our story in a good way and that got a great reception as well um in, in footballing terms overall the last three years have been great um i'd say it's tough because our first two years got combined because of obvious null and void reasons um but we got promoted after those two years but i'd say this season in particular it's been fa fantastic like under our manager scott and the assistant manager billy we're playing really good style of football um squadiola-esque and I don't, I don't use that lightly as well um he's very insistent on playing it around the back he likes every player on the pitch to have experience in multiple positions be comfortable on the ball be comfortable in tight spaces and a lot of the goals we score are very similar to the goals that the current Man City team scores. Um, so it's it's a very weird and very rewarding feeling when you're seeing the team you own play like that. And I, in the first year in particular, we, we played a lot more kind of like random style of football. So it's nice to see the progression on that. I would say, though, that the low, mo the low moments definitely come from the football as well, though. Um, because we've done quite well off the pitch, the football stuff has really killed us at times. I mean, you know, when when the stakes are high and you just miss out on something, then it can really hurt. And we had that experience with our FA Vars run last year. So for context, the FA Vars is the cup competition for teams around our level. And it's a nationwide cup competition with the final held at Wembley. So we had this vision of all of us seven in you know proper suits kitted out on the Wembley turf live on BT Sport we're talking to Rio Ferdinand we're talking to Jake Humphreys whoever the whoever it is who's there and it'd be a fantastic day out um and it'd be great to see that you know the fans return to Wembley once more um so when we went out in I think it was early early May 2020 to Lazen Town uh it was it was a shocker of a game uh, and I remember we all went for a meal after it was like it was like the last supper for the season it was like the season finale really and we were all there deflated not really sure what had happened because the way the the draw had been done is that we had quite a good route to the semi-final and beyond but it's those moments that, that really bring you together and since then i think the team's progressed even more i mean th this season we've we've been fantastic in the league much better than i expected Certainly. Um, you know, we were top for a good part of the season. We're now third. We're in with an outside chance of getting promoted because the top two do. But it's still all to play for. And I have to commend the effort of the, the whole squad, really, because we've had some great moments, some great moments. Do you find that the success on, on sort of TikTok or Instagram puts a little bit more pressure on? Like, oh, the last the last vlog, uh, match day vlog got, you know, a million hits. 
Uh, you know, people are going to be watching us the next match day. We've got to put on a good show. So, yeah, so a lot of fans resonate with certain players. So, for example, Palace Francis, who left us in December, he was uh, he was always mentioned in the comments because he scored some crucial goals in the matchday vlogs. And people saying he's better than Messi, he's better than Ronaldo, all of those sort of like funny comments. Um, and when he left to go to Bromley, who for context from the conference national, so it's a big step up, like four leagues, for example, people were still commenting, where's Palace Francis? And we didn't even have to reply because other people were going, oh, he's left to go to Bromley. So it kind of shows that people really, you know, have engaged with the story. And we're getting that now with uh, Harry Mills, who's like our go-to guy for the goals and assists of the team at the moment. Um, so it's really, it's really nice to see that. And I think that will continue because it's not just us, the owners, who people resonate with. We're, we're kind of giving the platform towards the squad and the players as well. Because at the end of the, end of the day, we are a football club and football and the team success is what it's all about. You mentioned earlier, so a couple of, of your ownership group there, I guess, finished their studying. So they'll be focusing full time on, on the team next year. Is that mm. the route you see yourself going down or um, what's your, in five years time, will you still be owning Walton and Hersham, running the, running the TikTok account? Or do you see this as being just something fun to do whilst you're young? If, if you can tell us, of course. Yeah, I mean, we've been having a few discussions recently between us and the good thing about having gone to school together is that they're very open discussions, very transparent, um, and everyone respects each other's opinions. So I think going forward, because of seven of us and because of the nature of where we're at at the moment in our development, um, we only really need two people to go full time. And because Sartej and Claude Rowe volunteered to, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't stop them doing that. I think it's great that they want to commit so much time and so many hours to developing the club, especially with the YouTube, but also in terms of engaging more with the community. Um, that doesn't mean at all that the other five of us are going to do nothing. I mean, we're still heavily involved. And for example, for me personally, I, I've been an extra this year and I've been an extra ever since we took over, really. So it's been me going between London and extra, depending on what I was doing and depending on what I needed to do for the club. But going forward, I'll be in London next year, probably doing like a graduate job in London. Um, so it, it would actually mean I, I would, in theory, have more time to commit to the club. And I think that's really important for our brand as well in the media. I don't think the brand of us together really works if it, if, if it is only two or three people. I think what's compelling is that it's a large group of friends who have come together to live many people's dreams. Um, and we have to kind of keep telling that story and protect the integrity of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, certainly you're living uh, Stuart's dream. <laughs> uh, definitely, I'm going to Google. Um, uh, I was living in Germany, so I, need to, uh, I don't know German lower league football as well as England. We're going to be straight on Google yeah. after this to find out, can you buy a, can I buy uh, 
TUSV just as well, who are the <laughs> super low league team near, near to me. So that's my my lesson from today is yeah, <laughs> just just go for it and 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 to take take your chances, which. I guess brings us well, yeah. nicely to our lesson, Jamie. Or did you? Well, yeah, that? I was going to sort of, I was going to sort of say. Quite often, we say to people like, if you're listening, if someone's listening and you know they want to do what you do, what what could they do? But I'm not sure there's a clear cut case here. Yeah, I, I've had a few thoughts, thankfully, about what my lesson would be, um, okay. and I think we've certainly learned a lot over the last three years, and I have as a person. Um, but I would say that my lesson would be, especially in terms of media strategy is don't be afraid to put engagement at the heart of it. Um, I think what's been good with us on the TikTok is that we're quite strict with the content we put out. So you might think a video that you put together is quite good um, and you think it will resonate with the audience, it will hit the algorithm, it will succeed in many ways. And then you put it up and it sort of, it doesn't do as well as expected or for lack of a better word, it flops. There's no, There's nothing wrong with pulling that and going back to the drawing board because you have to keep trying and trying until you hit a an, an idea that works really. Um, and I think with the engagement, it's also important to kind of consider which platform you're using and for what purpose. So what we've done with the TikTok is that we've been very analytical in our approach. For example, we don't want the match day vlogs to be too long. We like them to be under a minute to kind of maximize engagement. Also with the meme posts, they're only really between five to 12 seconds. And what we find, for example, it's a bit of insight for you guys and everyone watching the podcast, these match day vlogs, our average watch time is only 21 to 28 seconds. But I actually think that's quite good because if you're on a TikTok for 20 seconds plus, then you are somewhat engaged with what content you're watching. So don't be afraid to use the numbers to inform your decisions. But obviously with that, you need to incorporate good storytelling. I think essential to capturing the attention of people is communicating your story in the right way. And so far, I think that's partly why the Walton TikTok's done so well. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that's really good engagement for for TikTok. You know, I, I don't use TikTok, but I, I do like uh, YouTube Shorts. But I spend a lot of time, and you know, if it yeah. doesn't grab me well, in the like- first couple. First three to seven seconds, it's gone, you know, and forget about it. Um, so, yeah, yeah that's, uh, I think I think most people are. I think that's a, a fair valuation. So, uh, no, that's great. And so it'll be a challenge for you moving into to YouTube then where the algorithm's different and the, the monetization's different and the things that work and don't work uh, are different, you know, very, very different to TikTok, really. Um, so I, yeah. I'm, certainly, I'm certainly excited to see how how this journey for Walton Hersham continues and uh, we'll be watching closely, Stuart, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really, really looking forward to, yeah, the, again, following, following your journey and I'm sure we'll be hearing Walton and Hersham for, for the name for many, many years to come. So yeah, thanks again, Tom, for, for joining and for sharing, sharing your adventures so far. Yeah, no worries. It's been a pleasure to speak to you guys today. Uh, the pleasure's been all ours. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. That was Episode 20 of 21 for 21. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.